Hello and welcome to the last and final episode of Silence. Silence is a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I've known this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer, where I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice Omara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my television work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week for the last two years, a woman in STEM has shared her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I've deliberately disguised my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today and over the last few episodes. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of healthcare and medical technology. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm kind of getting a bit sad um, at the idea of not being able to chat to amazing women like yourself um, each week. But um, it's just been so fascinating hearing about people's stories. And, you know, as our last episode, I'd love to hear about how you got into healthcare and medical technology, particularly during a time, you know, where you're probably really busy with COVID, right? Yeah, it's it's been quite a busy time, really. I mean, this this particular industry uh, is just a fascinating one to work in, really. Um, and I fell into it by accident more than anything. Um, so it's it's something that I I've really quite enjoyed. And I think if I'd known about it as a young engineer, um, I, I probably would have come into this field a lot sooner. But it wasn't something that that um, I was really aware of as a, as an industry. In engineering so um, it's it's been quite an, an interesting journey to come through the sort of traditional engineering routes and then end up here in in the sort of med tech industry um, so yeah that's it's quite a quite a, a, a roundabout journey really well even sort of choosing engineering is quite unusual for women um, certainly been my experience so why did you choose it for yourself well I think I've grown up in a, in an environment where I've, I've been surrounded predominantly by by men. Uh, I'm an only child, so um, my my dad was quite an influence in my life, um, and uh, he actually was a, a, a mining engineer. He worked for the coal ah. board. I mean, this is going oh, wow. quite a long way back, um, well before the miners' strike, in fact. Uh, and um, so he was quite an influence. He was always interested in in why machines worked and fiddling about with things. And I think I understood what a coal cutter and a shearer was before I was really out of nappies. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of grown up with that influence. And because mm. I, I come from quite a small sort of mining community, I suppose, um, 
most of the men either worked in the steel industry or in in coal mining so you you were kind of influenced in that way um but he was always keen to show me things i i'm sure he actually would have liked to have had a little boy rather than a little girl to be really truthful <laughs> uh, i relate but, <laughs> but i think he was still keen to show me how things work so he was always you know picking me up and, and holding me over the the um the car you know so I could see into the car engine and things <laughs> like that you know and taking me to see airplanes and mm. and things like that. so I, I kind of grew up with it and it was yeah. it was kind of a natural thing really for me to want to do the same as what he did um I didn't mm. really have much influence from my mum um she was she was you know a stay-at-home mum she looked after me so I guess he was more of an influence really in terms of work and career yeah, I mean, if your dad was anything like my dad, um, a mechanical engineer, like he was always encouraging me to ask questions and try and understand how things worked. And, you know, I was always helping him around the house with DIY and things like that. So it kind of just got ingrained in me to just be like my dad. Yeah, I think I was the same, actually. I think, um, you know, he, he whenever he was doing something, whether it was gardening, whether it was, you know, decorating or, or you know, or his work, it it was always, why are you doing that, Dad? Why, why does that work, Dad? What does that do? Mm. And he always had the patience to show me. And I think yeah. some something else that was probably quite a big influence was he, he had very little education. Um, you know, he left school at 14. Um, he went to be an apprentice in the pit like all young men did at that time and mm. and I think he really recognized the value of education um, yeah. and the fact that he didn't have any and he was really determined um, to make sure that I had a good education and so he worked incredibly hard just to you know provide me with the schooling that I needed um, and I think that was you know something that most kids in my generation and and from my community probably would never have had um so that that was quite a, an important part really of of that process was education being the real key uh, to kind of getting out of the village really yeah so what did you actually study then um i did electromechanical power engineering it's a bit of a mouthful Gosh. wow <laughs> um it sounds so niche yeah, it was. I, I was really fascinated um, by both electrical and mechanical systems. And I think back then, and we're going back a long time, um, I, I think I saw the opportunity that or saw that technology was moving towards electronic control of mechanical machines. Um, you know, even if you think about a, a washing machine or, you know, it's got an electronic control system which controls the programs. Um, and drives the mechanical bits yeah controls the bits that go round. so um, I think I recognized very early on that in order being able to communicate in both electrical language and mechanical language was going to be really important in the future and and it has been and, and I'm, I'm glad I chose that route um, although it, it was it wasn't a deep dive degree you know it was it was very much across the board uh, I got a whole range of, of subjects uh, under my yeah. belt it gave me uh, an opportunity to be able to commu communicate with those that were either electronics or electrical or mechanical um and and act as that bridge between the two and I, th I think that's that's really paid off in my career mm. yeah I must confess I 
couldn't wrap my head around electrical systems or chemistry. <laughs> you know, I just look at it and just go, what? Yeah. Just, you know. I, um, I, I think I obviously gravitated towards the mechanical side as I progressed through my degree. Um, and indeed, my PhD was mechanical. But um, I think in the early stages, um, I, you know, that being able to understand those two different elements of engineering, I think for me was quite important. Oh, yeah. Like total skill set. Yeah. Like across the board skills. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did your dad ever get to see you being an engineer? I mean, if he did, I mean... Oh God, yeah, he's he's massively proud. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, He always introduces me uh, to his his friends and and his mates and things as uh, oh, this is my daughter. She's an engineer. Um, So yeah, he's he's hugely proud. Um, He saw me graduate. He saw me get my PhD. He's seen me, you know, on on um, presenting things and and you know that sort of thing. So he's yeah, he's um, he's very proud uh he doesn't yeah. understand what it is I do <laughs> now oh really <laughs> yeah he just he it's it's kind of gone beyond his knowledge capabilities I mean he's he's in his 80s now so he's been retired a very long time and mm. technology has moved on so much that it's uh, it's he understand he gets it but it's not something that he could get his head round anymore I don't think and to be fair you know when you're in something like mining engineering, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of when I was in a mine in Canada, um, actually on the way to Snow Lab, um, the dark matter detector. Oh, right. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we had to get through, go through a mine to get there. And, um, you know, what they're doing is raw engineering. I mean, they're right in the thick of it. Um, but the kinds of engineering that you tend to learn at university is a very different perspective it's cleaner. On yeah it's yeah. cleaner. yeah um so I much think, more academic isn't it yeah um I mean my dad my dad is a hands-on engineer you know he's mm. um he's crawled on his back in in you know 12 inch mining seams I mean I, I can't even imagine what it must be like to fix a machine I, I've known him go yeah. down down a pit for three or four days you know just to fix machines and and not come up you know, every, he'd be down there for for days. Whereas mm. my my life is very clean. You know, um, yeah. I don't come home with dirt under my fingernails like he used to. Um, and and it's it's very it's a very different world, I think. And particularly the sort of biomedical field and the healthcare field, um, it, it's it, it's a much obviously it has to be a much cleaner environment. But um, the technology is so different. And so um, extreme from what he would be used to. I mm. think that's that's probably why he he probably doesn't get it as much. But for me, it's just an extension of what I've learned over the years, and um, it's about the application of of engineering knowledge. You know, it doesn't mm. it doesn't matter whether you're building a, a rocket or you're you know building a um, a tiny medical device. The the processes and the 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 te- the uh, theories are the same you know you have to go through the same processes to to develop the piece of technology so yeah but I must say when I listen to you talking about your dad the contrast um, between the two of you who were both engineers 
um, is is just massive. I mean, it's this giant yeah. uh, sort of um, spectrum of engineering. And I think that's probably why girls aren't, or just people in general, don't really engage with engineering because yeah. it's so massive that people don't know whether it is the grease under the fingernails or, you know, you know, with me, I did CFD, computational fluid dynamics, which was very yeah. theoretical, mathematical and extremely clean, clinical almost, you know, yeah, in trying to yeah. sort of model how air flows and things. So, um, you know, first of all, I mean, so many questions for you, but like, did you, it, clearly your curiosity was driving you to go into the engineering you went into but was there ever a time where you just thought this isn't for girls like you know I don't want to get my hands dirty do you know I, I must be very odd but it I it, that I never questioned it I never ever questioned whether I was capable or whether because I was a woman I couldn't do it um wow. I okay. think I think because my dad and being an only child I suppose helped yeah. but because my dad never questioned it and and when I said you know I'm going to go to university to do engineering there was there was never a question it was like all right okay where are you going then you know so um all all he wanted me to do was succeed and I don't necessarily think he cared how I did that uh mm. he just he just wanted me to to do the thing I wanted I enjoyed and wanted me to succeed and wanted me to be educated um and um you know he he was able to see me go to university and and then to like like you to go on and do a PhD um so my PhD is in turbocharging so um uh so the obviously a lot of fluid mechanics in that um yeah and uh, uh and and so he I don't think it was ever in question and because as you pointed out you know it was quite a specialist course um there were only 16 of us on the course and four of them were girls so oh. it was actually okay. quite nicely balanced whereas if you look at straight mechanical or straight electrical courses particularly straight mechanical most universities you know if you've got a, a class of 150 200 students you've, you've probably got no more than 10 that was my girls yeah. yeah and and it was for me in some respects because I, I would have uh, lectures with with the mechanicals and with the electricals and you'd walk into this huge lecture theater and there'd be like six or seven girls in there and majority of them were off my course um so yeah there were there really when I was doing my degree there weren't many girls there at all mm. um and and it's still did you ever feel conscious of that i mean like was it a thing or were you literally oblivious it, it it wasn't a thing to me certainly um i i guess i'm i'm a bit of a tomboy anyway i always have been um so i just muck in i just get on with a, you know with the people around me and whether they're male or female or anything else i it, it doesn't bother me you know it's not mm. a, an issue for me um i've never been i've never questioned um people's um gender or you know sex or race or anything when it comes mm. to being a professional engineer you're an engineer first and foremost um you know and you prove that by by doing a good job mm. and as long as as far as I'm concerned as long as you do a good job 
I don't I don't really care who you are. <laughs> so what were you like as a student then? Was it were oh, the I was, subjects I was easy? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you had this confidence in your ability within engineering, but yet you weren't necessarily, you know, straight I'm, A student. I'm, I'm, I'm even below straight A. I'm, I failed all but one of my A levels. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, failed all but one. I, not, not for want of trying. I just, I'm not an academic person, and when it comes to sitting exams and writing, you know, exam papers. <laughs> that's it I'm just that's so amazing you've got a PhD yeah because I think it's (laughs) I think it's sheer bloody mindedness you know I think um um, essential for engineering by the way yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely you've got you've just got to be committed to it and and Mm. yeah I'm I'm the last person you would think of who would be any good at maths or you know particularly maths um I'm very good at algebra um, I don't know whether it's because it's a it's a you know or a complex sort of mathematics. I, I I think it's because it's a mixture of letters and numbers. I, I'm a bit puzzled with it. So like yeah, um, yeah, I'm a puzzle person definitely. Um, but yeah, academically, no, I, I would be at the bottom of the ladder. And if it hadn't have been, I think for some of the teachers, for my parents. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have got where I am today at all. They they just encouraged me to just keep going. And there wasn't the support as well when I was coming through my A-levels. Um, I mean, clearing virtually didn't exist. I mean, certainly kids today, you know, they get a huge amount of support if they don't quite get the grades. And, and there's, there's all kinds of ways and means to go through clearing and there's people on the end of a phone line that didn't exist I had to phone the universities myself to get in um and within the space of a day I'd got into five universities just with one through sheer determination yeah and I got into the university I wanted to go to originally um and I did a foundation year and then and and interestingly because that was very practical i I went from being the lowest grade on the entrance to in the top five of the year in the foundation year. So, oh, wow. I, I, I'm amazed because so many of us um, thrive on our yeah. success. You know, we're driven by our accomplishments and it kind of spurs us on. What was driving you? If, if you were like, repeatedly failing at the subjects you needed to do engineering why did you not just throw your hands up and go forget it maybe this just isn't for me I I never saw it as an option failure wasn't an option you know you you can you can fail but but you if you're determined to achieve you you just carry on you find another way of dealing with things I mean I know I'm not particularly academic person I know that I'm not very good at sitting exams but I, so I, 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 fo- but was your curiosity that big, like that great for the subject that you were like, okay, I can't, I don't have the subjects um, to get into these universities, but I am so curious about the subject that I'm going to do it anyway. Pretty, Is that pretty how much. you were thinking? I, I didn't, I didn't see it as a hurdle. You know, if I hadn't have got into any of the universities or polytechnics as they were then, that's, that's showing my age a bit. Um, if I hadn't have got in, I would have I would have looked to have gone to co- college or done an apprenticeship. Um, 
you know, it, it it was never it was never not an option. I was never not going to be an engineer. Um, you know, and and I've, I've and do you reckon that was a pure need to be like that? No, no, not at all. I think at that point, um, I'd kind of outgrown him in some respects. Um, despite not being not being very good at sitting exams, which didn't really prove anything in some respects, I, I, I was still a good engineer. I'm I, I'm like him in a lot of ways. He left school at fourteen. He's a damn good engineer. Um, and it it, it, was, oh, right. it was the okay, practical yeah. part. It was I then I mm. then discovered the dirt under the fingernails. You know, I was then you know when it came to doing my PhD, it was very practical. Um, I was taking turbochargers apart and I was, you know, um, measuring things and, and all of all, all sorts of interesting things. And although I found the mathematics very difficult, actually collecting the data from the turbocharger, I was in my element. So I found ways and means of getting around things. And I think I think most engineers do in the end. And I think what 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 yeah. we do well is work together so where i have weaknesses i find people to work with who have those as strengths and where you know i have strengths people benefit from that if if they're a bit weak on that um gosh i love that mentality because it's really about collaboration um and often when you go into stem subjects there's so much pressure to be that straight A student and I often have spoken to guests who put immense pressure on themselves to be everything to everyone um and and your attitude and your outlook um it's just so (laughs) refreshing and it sounds genuinely authentically engineering yeah I guess I guess it you is know. I mean I, I I've, I've never questioned myself from that point of, oh, obviously you have days where you think what the hell am I doing I, I you know why should why am I doing this but but in the mo in the main I've, I've never questioned that I shouldn't be in this profession or that I shouldn't have tried as hard as I could to achieve um you know and I'm I'm where I am today, really, because of all of oh, those people yeah. and because of sheer bloody mindedness. Um, I, I I just enjoy what I do, really. Yeah. Um, and I perhaps don't get my hands as dirty as I used to, which is a shame. Um, but but I, I I like the opportunity now to help those people who are coming through. I'm at a position in my life where um, I can use all of that experience that you know the fails and the the successes and all of that to help other engineers develop their careers develop their technology and I can bring that experience to bear um Mm. and and I try to do it as honestly as I can um yeah like I feel like I'm talking to a true engineer Um, (laughs) and (laughs) I say that not in a judgmental way but you know uh, I've talked to you know, students that are in engineering um, and kind of all different levels of engineering. And I think as time goes on, engineering becomes more and more digital. Yeah. um, And less hands-on. And I think the truest of engineers with real tinkerers. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, if you go back to to the the early history, um, I mean, certainly mechanical engineering came out of the civil engineering community, um, and uh, they 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 recognised that moving things needed to be different to things that stood still, um, mm. and and those engineers, you know they came up through apprenticeships and and they worked very hard they were they were obviously very talented people but technology has changed i mean you, you know you go back to george stevenson he he wouldn't recognize apart from seeing the trains on the track which would probably scare him half to death because they're going you know 10 times faster than his his first train but um he wouldn't recognize the world in in its digital format now mm. um and I think going back to your point you made about um, about the world, it, there's so much choice in engineering that people don't necessarily understand or see it as a profession. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have now is that it's so ubiquitous across everything that we do that mm. young people just take it for granted and they don't. Yeah. It's somebody else that does that, or it's magic's out of thin air. You know, my, yeah. my phone or my iPad just magic out of thin air. It, they don't think about where it comes from. Um, it's almost mm. like their food. You know, they don't necessarily think um, where yeah. where their where their food is grown or or produced, and they don't think the same about technology. It's just there to be used, um, and so we're still struggling to attract young people to it as a profession. Because when you say the word engineering, they think about people like my dad or George Stevenson. They don't think about the sort of technology that you and I have developed in our PhDs and, and what we're looking at in terms of digital technology now. But you know what? I think you and I are where we are with engineering because of those stereotypical views of engineers you know if it wasn't for your dad and my dad we never would have had the insight into what engineering is um and therefore we never would have considered it for ourselves probably um yeah but we're very rare i think yeah yeah Um, and it's actually making me realize the importance of just showing people what engineers do because when you mention food it's like, yeah, we definitely do take food for granted. But if we all had allotments or were growing things in our gardens or on our sort of windowsills, um, we'd really start to have an appreciation of where food comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would just change everything. And you and I were lucky because we had that insight into engineering. Yeah. I mean, we, we're we probably very rare from the point of view that we had a parent who was in a STEM role already i mean if you look at the statistics um for most children you know a, a good 80 percent of the population isn't in a stem profession um so from that point of view it's they're not getting the exposure yeah. to to stem related subjects um so we we're very lucky in that respect that we had we had parents who were yeah. in it um so i think the importance of exposing young people to stem related subjects at school is really vitally important um and that's where you know volunteering as an engineer to go into the classroom and talk about your role and what you do is is so important um i also wish that schools would introduce you know some kind of engineering club because i would have absolutely loved to have gone into some kind of club that 
um, just allowed you to mess up and fail and iterate and prototype, you know, for a couple of hours. I used to love DT, design technology. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of making things and kind of screwing up and having to start again. And, you know, even though there was the pressure to achieve grades and meet deadlines, um, there was also time worked into the syllabus for that kind of experimentation. Yeah, I mean, I I was quite lucky. Um, My physics teacher at school uh, always was always tinkering with things. And um, so we, we were always making and building things and he, he always liked to sort of do that so I was quite lucky there but I mean schools do have sort of the after school clubs and they have sort of STEM clubs and things and and a lot of engineers um, who are in the various institutions they go in as STEM ambassadors and they do kind of clubs and you know building and making things and stuff but not every child has that opportunity um, and I think it's 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 still a privileged thing you know the the schools that can afford to do it or the schools that are fairly well endowed they Mm. can afford to put on those sort of clubs and societies whereas you know in the city schools um and schools in much more deprived areas can't have or don't get those opportunities and so those children are missing out and um it's it's that's where we need to probably address um you know the the problems essentially of getting young people interested in the, in the subject matter um, is going into some of those more deprived areas um, and showing them that this is a profession that they could come into. Mm. What has it been like for you as a woman in the industry? It's been hard. Yeah. It's been hard at times. I mean, I, I guess I took the same attitude that I had at university into the workplace that, you know, if if I don't do my job right, it doesn't really matter whether I'm male or female. Um, but um, you know, you take me on the merits of of my my results, mm. um, and and I do I do my job as best I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I I came up through the I suppose the the late nineties, two early two thousands, um, and. It, it was, yeah, it was still really very hard. It's still a male-dominated profession. Um, there's still quite a lot of misogyny and um, sexism and, you know, um, it, yeah, it was it was difficult. Um, you just kind of soldier on, really. <laughs> and I must confess, I struggled um, to be this kind of, well, to be myself in the industry, because as a woman, uh, it just, I don't know, I just felt so um, alienated. Yeah, yeah. And and I've I've seen that happen. And I've seen, you know, a lot of women leave the profession, um, purely from, you know, from the pressures exerted on them for being female. and and of course, uh, yeah. when you get to the question of baby or no baby, um, that can be quite tricky. I mean, I don't yeah. have children, um, and I think a, a part of that was because I was I was keen to um, keep my career going, and at that time, it, that was that was it right. was still the choice. 
um you know there was no parental leave as it is today you know in terms of sort of um uh, partners being able to take time off and things like that so if you're a woman you you generally left the profession and and it, and it was and still is very yeah. hard for those women to come back after having children and and bringing those children up um they're often you know i i saw one of in fact i worked with uh, for a short time one of my university friends and she left to have kids she had two she was off uh, she sort of left work for about five years or so when she came back even though I knew academically she was far better than me um, she was seemingly given much more basic jobs to do and and it was really to yeah. me it was really noticeable so it must have been it must have been noticeable to her um but it that was that was how it kind of was you know all the chief engineers were all men all the senior mm. managers were were men um there were a very small group of women in the team that i was working with at the time um you know and and so yeah we kind of banded together but you you just had to be hardened to it in some respects and i i don't think women should have to be like that you know, women shouldn't need no. to man up in inverted commas. Um, and that totally. is yeah. probably how I've continued, you know, how I've got on and, and carried on through it, that there's, there's nothing that can't be thrown at me that, that I can't throw back. Um, but I shouldn't have to be like that. When, you, when your mannerisms or behaviours yeah. are the same as a man, um you're seeing you're tarred with the brush of being aggressive or bossy or bitchy um you know when actually all you're doing is mirroring the behaviors that the men are you know have anyway so I think that that has been probably the the most difficult thing I think throughout my career um and I've seen women fall by the wayside in terms of giving up their career and going into other things um so so what you said it, do, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's It's been going on for decades. Um, I think mm. the thing is now, I think a lot of young women coming into the profession have, you know, have put their foot down and said, no, not anymore, not having that. And also there's a, a quite a backlash against men who have that very misogynistic approach. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it just, doesn't fly anymore to have that kind of um old school attitude male attitude of you know we're the dominant sex and you've got to listen to what we're saying type of approach I think even though you know we still only see sort of 10 to 12 percent of the engineering profession as female I think there are a lot more women now coming into more senior roles um there are a lot more women stepping up and coming to the fore through organizations like wise and wes who do an amazing job to promote women and girls in in science and technology uh, and engineering so i think that has made a difference but also what i'm starting to see is is a real gap uh growing between that older generation and mm. uh, which i probably put myself in because i'm getting to that age now you know i'm closer to 50 than i'm 30 uh so um and the younger generation who were saying no enough 
this is who we are and you treat us with respect. So I think that gap is growing quite significantly. And I've only really noticed it in the last probably two or three years, um, whereas before there was kind of an overlap. But now there's a very distinct chasm between that older attitude, that very male dominated industry and Mm. a much more... uh, accepting um, diverse and and inclusive uh, profession Um, and it's going to take a while before that diverse and inclusive uh, profession overwhelms the old state of affairs. Yeah Um, I mean when I first started this podcast I thought gosh I mean this podcast is really not gonna uh, be able to either move the needle or um, sort of be able to document this huge shift that needs to be made in attitudes in order to achieve some kind of gender parity. Um, But as the podcast has gone on, I'm starting to realise that it's happening and it may actually speed up um, purely because women are accepting themselves I feel like they're accepting their femininity and being able to you know hold themselves in a c-suite sort of boardroom um I don't know something's changing I I, I'm always so amazed by the attitudes of young generations um in just being confident with who they are it's almost cool to be unusual Whereas in my generation, it was weird to be different. Yeah, um, you, you, it was. I've always described our profession as being conservative with a small C, if if that makes sense. You know, it's 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 always been smart suits and and you know and professional um, kind of. Um, respect for the hierarchy and all of that and now you're absolutely right I think gone are the days where um you know that whole um scenario that boardroom kind of feel has Mm. has gone by the wayside we work in different ways now uh young people I think are more accepting of their differences and and their um but yet their behaviours are very similar in that there's there's much more tolerance, there's much more respect for each other. And and you're right, it's it is cool to be different. And I, I feel much more relaxed even now at my age uh, with myself and who I am mm. than ever I was probably 20 odd years ago. Um, because that I'm working with a lot of younger people now and it, it, you kind of think, Okay, yeah, it's it's okay to do the things that I do and to talk about the things that I do, you know. Um, and yeah, it 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 does seem a much more diverse and much more accepting um, community. I, I really relate to what you say when uh, you talk about feeling comfortable to talk about what you do because early on in my engineering career, I felt. I struggled to describe what I did because I felt like a fish out of water um, being the only woman. And so describing what I did was almost embarrassing 
or exposing. Yeah. Whereas today, you know, people want you to talk about what you're doing because you're doing something so radically different and you know you're you're sort of um closing the gap the divide and they're like yeah come and talk to us we really do need someone who's female in engineering you know but even even working for the bbc you know the bbc um always wants to go for that typical engineer look and so you know i was never considered um for those kind of presenter roles because I just my face didn't fit yeah but now they're kind of crying out for people that really don't fit yeah I I think uh, I think that there is that um that understanding that uh, you know everyone's different everybody brings something to the table um Mm. and that you know um you you don't have to you don't have to fit into a a box anymore I think um I, I think in any industry, it's not not just engineering. In in any profession, the person who's interviewing you for for your job looks for somebody who's like them. So you, you always get this sort of continuation of the same people, the same behaviours. But yeah. because I think young people today have said, "No, enough of that. I am who I am, and if you can't employ me on on my skills, then then don't employ me." Um, and yeah. so now I think there's there's a much more radical change going on in the workplace um, that it is about what you bring to the table. It's not about how you look or who you are or what school you went to. Um, it's about what you can do to achieve, you know, the, the overarching goal of that organisation. And mm. I, I think society is is embracing that hugely. Um I mean, as I said before, I, I, I never, I was never, I think going back, we were very apologetic for who we were. Oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm an engineer. Um, yeah. you know, oh, I, I do science. You know, oh, it's really embarrassing. I better not talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, gone are those days. And now it is cool um, to be geeky in inverted commas. Um you know, I, I I I like the fact that I have boxes of broken things, which I've always had. Um, I have boxes of broken things, which I take to schools and show the kids and get them to figure out what the broken thing is or was, because there's a story behind every broken thing. Um, mm. And I've got bits of pipe and I've got bits of turbocharger and I've got all kinds of huh. stuff. And and but when I say, you know, well, what do you think that is? And they'll kind of guess. And then I say, well, it came from this and this is what happened. Um, You know, suddenly it's very cool to be, you know, um, this middle aged woman who's telling these kids about how cool it is to blow things up for a living, Um, you know, and stuff like that. So I think I think there's a real there is a a, a change, but it's also creating this very large gap between the older generation and this younger generation coming through. And hopefully if we can not create too much of a chasm, I think then we will see a real shift in what it is to be an engineer in the coming years. Um, You know, the the COVID situation has really demonstrated that, Um, you know, the number of young people recognising that technology saves lives. um, Mm. I think we will see a lot of young people wanting to come into the med tech and the biomedical field in the next few years, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so massively influential, um, the, the role that technology plays and has played in this pandemic. Um, and even this idea of working from home now um, means that people, I think people have been forced to reflect on what they're doing. Yeah. And just, you know, because they're, you know, that thing of, uh, is it worth getting out of bed for? Well, when you're working from home, you've got to get out of bed and be sure that you want to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just, I mean, will will I don't think it will be clear the effect that COVID has had on our mentalities um, with regards to, you know, our careers and things like that. But I think it's definitely going to have created a shift in a direction that we'll never ever be able to reverse yeah i think it's certainly a conversation i've been having with you know other engineers um the the fact that there will be i think sort of two paths there'll be those who revert to type and go back to the way the old ways if you like the, the ways of mm. doing things and there will be those people who will embrace this new way of working and um i mean i'm very fortunate you know i i i do predominantly work from home apart from traveling to see clients and things like that majority of my work is is done from my office at home um so mm. it's it's been quite a normal thing for me in fact nothing has changed throughout covid as as far as i'm concerned but some people it's it's a complete different way of working um and i think they're either going to embrace it or not really um but i think it's it's made the engineering community kind of think about how how they deliver solutions um obviously for manufacturing you can't really change that um you know yeah you've got to have a factory somewhere where you build things and make things but actually the process of designing things or collaborating on on a project or whatever doesn't need to be done in an office space anymore it can be done through all kinds of digital you know online systems just like we're talking and um and you can still deliver high quality solutions, but you don't mm. necessarily have to be in the same room with everyone. Um, yeah. And and who would have thought that, you know, even 12 months ago, who would have thought that we would have been at that position yeah. where companies would have been thinking, do I need to keep an office space anymore? I mean, wow. You know? Yeah. And one of the things I have really been thinking about over the period of lockdown is that I'm so glad I've always followed my heart in all the decisions I've made. Um, but I've also seen how my decision-making processes have fit into the culture and sort of mentality of the society I'm living in. And um, it's kind of just made me think about like, you know, the fact that I'm a woman and I've chosen a very male dominated area and, you know, how that sort of fits into all the choices we have as women, you know, in terms of having kids and starting a family and, you know, we have to juggle a lot in life as women. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, th I think, I think it's a, a very different, um, a different mindset that women, particularly women in STEM subjects have, um 
because of that, the nature of family and caring and all of those things that, that are part of our makeup um, mm. that, that we have to consider as well. Um, and there's still that, that role as, as the homemaker and the mother and the childbearer that we, we also have to factor in to what we do and yeah yeah it's it's quite it's it's quite hard and I think it's going to get harder for women in that respect um I think the decision of you know whether to have children um and whether to have a family will become quite still will still remain really significant but I think the one thing that we are going to face is caring for our older relatives and it will often and does often come down to the women to to do that caring um so we're not we're not only going to have to think about how we deal this is this is an intergenerational problem right Mm. we're not going to be just dealing with bringing up children we're going to be making sure that our elderly relatives um, are cared for as well and that puts women in a very difficult position particularly in the stem field um because uh of the the commitment and effort um, of being in that profession means that you've got to make a decision. Do I look after my parents or do I put them in a, <laughs> you know, a, a care home or what do I do? Um, so there's a lot of decisions that women have to make, I think, that are, exceed probably what men have to make. Maybe I'm making a terrible judgment on that one. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually curious to know how you have... Um you know, if you ever reflect on the decisions you've made as a result of the profession you've gone into, you know, and the knock-on sort of choices you've taken, like, do you look back and think, oh, you know, uh, that I did everything right? Or And if not, like, how have you dealt with that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm far from think I've made any sensible decisions at all in my time. <laughs> in my entire working career um you know and you can look back with hindsight can't you and go oh I should have done that differently um yeah of course of course there's there's always going to be times where you think I I really shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have gone into that job or um you know but I think you you learn from all of those experiences I think you have to you have to put a positive spin on it I, I, I I I guess I guess I've, I channel my mother. Um, so I lost my mother quite a, n- a number of years ago now. I was 32 when she passed away. Um, and that kind of threw me and my dad much closer together. And we, because we're so alike, um, that, that, you know, it's like chalk and cheese. We, mum was always there as our as our referee. Um, so that, that was quite a, an interesting time um, that... Uh, I didn't have that influence, but I do channel her in terms of her her belief that um, that there's that you know there's good in everyone kind of thing, and that and that all situations have a positive side, even if at the time they're very difficult and they're very painful. Um, there is something that you can take away from that and learn from. So mm. I, I'm lucky in that sense that I've got that side of her. I've got my dad's you know determination and my dad's grit but I've got her um positiveness and so I think that's helped me get through an awful lot of situations and yeah I've I've made some really 
crackingly bad decisions in my life <laughs> um, about my career and things like that. But you know, I'm here. I'm right here now. And you know, mm-hmm. and you and I are, are talking about this crazy world that we um, that we love. This crazy profession um, that that makes the world work. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this whole situation with COVID has really just forced me into a state of pure reflection, but I do sort of look at everything and I think, you know, um, it is what it is. It is, yeah. You know, born, born to an engineer who just really sparked my curiosity in the field I think I've like inherited a lot of his rational thinking methodologies um and so it couldn't have been any other way and I also don't have children and you know I'm at an age where like the window is really getting small for having kids and you know and I could you know go to drastic measures to become a mum and I just think maybe that just wasn't my path. And, you know, I was supposed to just really focus on the things that I'm passionate about um, in my career. And that's my lot. But I think it's always difficult, maybe particularly for women in STEM, to make all these choices so that they do appear to have it all. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think then, we, we, can, we can always look back with 50-50, you know, hindsight and go, you know, oh well, it, it would have been great if I could. And and I've had those moments. I've I've had those moments where I think, you know, I would have loved to have been a mum. I'd have been a great mum. I'd have been a crazy loony mum, but I would have been good at it. And um, yeah. and I would have introduced my kids to STEM and 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 all of those things. But I am where I am, and I, I I've not you know my window is is well and truly closed. And um, so that that there's there's no point dwelling on it. What I do, what I am able to be now is the crazy aunt who turns up <laughs> and gets the kids excited about science and then goes home um mm. and so so i think you find different outlets for for that passion and and things like that and um and now i'm kind of going into the next phase now that's where What's it's that? menopause way conversation of women in stem and menopause um really oh yeah yeah it's it's a major topic of conversation at, at the moment and um you know that's that's something that's going to be an interesting phase in my life i think um uh, how how do i deal with that change that, that those physical changes and how how is that going to affect my work and what what i'm seeing as well is is hearing women um talk about the fact that they don't get support in the workplace because of menopause so not only do you go through that stage of making some serious decisions in your you know your 20s to 30s about having children you're then mm. from sort of 40 odd to 60 odd worrying about what the workplace is going to think of you when you're having hot flushes and needing to leave work early um you know so we go through an awful lot <laughs> there's we not do. we don't have we a break really do. there's no break <laughs> no i'm just um, listening to that and i'm thinking oh my gosh we a whole have to <laughs> yeah like we have to we have to manage 
and juggle so much because you know if you have kids that's a whole other thing if you don't have kids that's a whole other thing I mean it's just you know we truly are living in a man's world and out of all of the podcasts and conversations I've had on silence what's come across time and time again is that we really are having to believe in ourselves we really are having to sort of accept who we are as um, women with all these dilemmas and dichotomies and you know things that we're having to balance and hold our head up high throughout all of that and just soldier on yeah yeah absolutely we you've just you have just got to get on with it I don't think about my gender. I don't think about who who I am. At the end of the day, it's about what I produce and what I do. And if you, as my client or whatever, are happy with the result, doesn't matter what flavour I am. I, I'm 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 just I'm just me, and um and I will do the best for the people who I'm working for, working with. Um, and and that is, I think, the message that we've got to get out to women is is stop worrying about it. Don't worry about it, because at the end of the day, you will be judged on the quality of the work that you produce. And um, and the sooner we get to that point as women and say we're here, we're proud. And you know what? We're really bloody good engineers. Um, and, and that for me is the goal you know and i would love to see that generation coming through now who are so positive about themselves who are so proud of their um you know their their uniqueness to just say that don't worry about it we're engineers we're here to fix things Um, we're here to make things better we're here to change the world that's what i want to hear what an amazing note to end the series of silence on thank you so much for coming on this show you're more than welcome it's been really nice to be able to chat to you and and be able to share some of my experiences and thoughts on the subject that's it from my stem guest this week and for the series of silence thank you so much to all my listeners who have been so loyal and dedicated to listening to conversations that have been happening every single week on the subject of being a woman in stem it's just been so incredible having your feedback and to be able to share all these issues and thoughts and reflections that we have as women trying to be the best versions of ourselves surviving and thriving in what often feels like such a man's world my guest this week has really kind of opened the conversation as I bring the podcast to a close on the subjects of self-acceptance and really being proud of what you do, but most importantly, doing it well and to the best of your abilities. It's certainly an inspiring note to end the podcast on. And please stay tuned for a brand new series of silence and innovation, which starts broadcasting from next week. And if you loved silence as it stands in its format today, don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week with my brand new podcast. Thanks for listening.